The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Summit Lighthouse brings you practical spiritual answers and is the open door to sacred mysteries. These teachings, delivered by Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet, are compelling, thought-provoking, and timeless. Here are your hosts, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. And greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Open Door, the online voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters and where we invite you to awaken to the light within. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy. Sid? Sid, where Sid. are you, Sid. Well, Sid is taking a, a, a well-earned, well-deserved break from us. A little hiatus. <laughs> For a couple of weeks. He'll yeah. be back shortly. But, you know, we all know we need the physical breath to, to be alive. But did you know that the breath of life has a divine counterpart? In other words, just as our bodies need to breathe to live, our souls require a spiritual breath to live and flourish. So today, we are bringing you a very special and unique treat. Throughout the next hour, we will be playing an entire lecture from Mark L. Prophet, whom we know today as the Ascended Master Lanello, in which he illuminates the subject of the inhalation and exhalation of God, what this means to us, our souls, and our expanding consciousness. Now, Terry, you knew Mark Prophet, didn't you? I did, by God's grace. <laughs> uh, 1972, 73. Wow. Yeah. And... Uh, this man, as you're going to hear our listeners today, this man, his his consciousness goes way up there. He knows things. When when I when I knew him, I thought to myself, "How does this guy know this stuff?" Yeah, you know. So it's going to be a lot of fun to to hear him talk today. It is indeed. So without any further ado, let's begin with part one of inhalation and exhalation of the breath of God from Mark Prophet. We would like to think this morning of the exhalation of the breath of God and the inhalation of the breath of God because in early Genesis we were told that the Lord God breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of life and man became a living soul. As we stop then, all of us, and ponder upon that subject, the breath of life, we realize that it has great import. If our breath is cut off, we no longer have life then, do we? So the breath of life is extremely important. Some people, of course, are of the opinion that the breath of life is only conforming to the physical body and is a part of the pneumatic system whereby the lungs as a bellows open and draw in the fresh oxygen, which is through the systems of the alveoli of the lung put into the bloodstream. I want to point out that actually there is a spiritual breath of life because it states that man became a living soul. Now a soul is not then a body. A soul is a soul. And we always talk about the soul leaving the body. 
at the passing. We hear people say this, say the soul leaves the body. But you see, the breath of life then is not only a physical thing, but it has a divine counterpart in the soul. And man is renewed in his soul or solar energy patterns just as well as he is renewed in his physical body. So we see that the soul could not live either without the breath of life. And then we are brought face to face with the breath of God, the exhaling of the divine breath and the inhaling. Now we understand from the ancient Hindu scriptures, the sacred Vedas, that the Brahma exhaled and that all of the creation is the exhalation of God. That there is a period like the diastole and systole of the heartbeat, the ebb and flow of the tides, that there is a period of sustainment where the breath of God is going out and then it reaches a certain zenith like a noonday and then it sustains itself and holds and then it begins to decline coming of course to the point where the breath is not actually moving at all and this precedes the time when God begins to inhale now God of course is referenced here not as a human figure but as a cosmic configuration rather than a human figure you don't think of God as in this wise as being a man sitting up on a pink cloud somewhere and blowing out his breath but you're thinking now of the release of the spirit into form and this release is the energy of the word that creates the form and when the form of one cycle of the divine breath goes out, which may take millions and millions of years, then that is drawn back, and that is the inhalation. Now it has been considered as proper, according to the ancient scriptures, that God will exhale as creative process, that the exhalation of the breath of God is the creative process, manifesting in the womb of matter and creating the suns and the moons and the stars, the planets and the crystals and the hearts of men and the physical bodies, the wind, the tides, everything. But after a certain point of time, he calls all this back to himself and the calling of it back to himself is the end, of course, of its cycle, and it is actually brought into the cosmic center of universal creation, to the very heart of God, if you will. And there it rests for a certain proscribed period of time, as we see in the Hindu dance of creation, where the dance comes to an end and the dancer falls to the floor and folds his arms forward and bows his head down and is absolutely still. We see that this is the still period, which I think is comparable to the gestation period of a child, which is nine months. Actually, it's 12 months. But nevertheless, I think that this gestation period is the period when it's the night of Brahma, 
when all of this is drawn back into the Godhead and there is a rest period and then during the rest period the patterns are being gathered within it's like a seed we find that God is functioning now as a seed and that during this period of rest the lacy patterns of the creation when I say lacy patterns I'm referring to all of the the whole divine DNA chain if you will the uh, patterns that God makes by which stars will be born and uh, spiral nebulae and whole systems galaxies these patterns are created there and inside the galactic patterns are created the solar patterns inside the solar patterns there's created the planetary patterns or the luminous orbs and inside the luminous orbs are created the moon patterns or satellite patterns and then inside of the luminous orb patterns of an earth we find that it will begin to create all of the systems that are going to be involved in the earth the growing things the trees and the water and everything it's all programmed and it can be compared to a giant computer and we have to recognize that during this period of rest that there is an actual manifestation of divine intelligence the stirring the shaking of divine intelligence in the seed and that this shaking is the drawing by the fingers of God of the various graphs and patterns and hieroglyphs that are going to manifest in the various systems of worlds when the whole is complete which is supposed to be during the night of Brahma during the period of rest when this is complete then once again comes the dawn of creation and the exhalation of the breath of God and the whole system is repeated over again supposedly according to what knowledge we can have and there are few of us that remember these process the whole process is transcendental each issuing forth supposedly not only within itself has various opportunities for growth and expansion and transmutation and exaltation above and beyond any one part in other words Sirius for example could evolve supposedly more than Andromeda that is in other words there could be within the universe according to the response of the various parts a greater advancement as one star differing from another star in glory and you find it also in people you find it in the universe you find it in people some people avail themselves more of the divine opportunity some systems seem to evolve more than others but the whole taken as a whole now not as a part is supposed to be transcending itself each sesophric round every time there is the issuing forth of the breath of God it is supposed to jump over a higher hurdle of accomplishment and the process itself is the witness of eternal life in other words this is the game of God the great creator this is his business you and I may be artisans we may be writers we may be musicians sculptors housewives tillers of the soil architects whatever we are God is the master of the creative game 
Now, somehow or other, in his consciousness, and while this is not recorded in the scriptures in so many words, it is to be found in the scriptures, nevertheless, if you read between the lines, and St. Paul himself brings it out in many places, where he says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him to those who are the called according to his purpose. And so we see that this purpose of God is not as some of us had imagined, basing this imagination on the scriptures, a matter of a sea of glass and a golden throne and all of the companies of people that had become immortal standing before this throne plunking on harps and forever and ever and ever singing holy 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 lord god almighty as a great admiration society while this is recorded in the scriptures and is absolutely true in its correct meaning it is not a case of the father this great all-wise all-loving all-generous father of life having created all things in order that they might praise him. It's not the case. Actually, what is involved here is the ritual of becoming. And in order for man to become one with God, it is necessary that he praise the highest good. Yes, indeed. Now we're just getting uh, warmed up here, so please stay with us. We'll be back for more in a moment. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Those seeking a higher spiritual path question everything. It is the nature of a spiritual seeker. They look deeply at all world religions and know that there are nuggets of truth within them all. The Summit Lighthouse is a deep repository of spiritual wisdom delivered by the Ascended Masters through their messengers Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet. For over 50 years, we have brought seekers worldwide liberating teachings that include the violet flame, the creative power of sound, and a deep personal connection to the masters of light. The goal of our show is to bring you timely spiritual teachings that are practical and liberating. For a free download of one of our most popular books, go to www.summitlighthouse.org forward slash radio downloads. At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face. And their teachings are always practical. By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. 
On The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse. Please send your comments or questions to webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to our show. And we are back. Thanks very much for staying with us. Uh, today we're listening to a complete lecture from Mark L. Prophet uh, on the inhalation and exhalation of the breath of God. Now, um, during that first segment, and of course, um, Mark Prophet is just setting the table. There's much more to come. It's just getting warmed up, as we said. <laughs> he referred to something that I think our listeners who uh, were tuned into it might have found a bit interesting. And that was that the gestation period of the the the. The gestation period, he said, was not nine months, but 12. But 12 months, yeah. yeah. And, and what I'm thinking is that uh, because we have four lower bodies and uh, the, the, the nine months are basically the development of the mental, the emotional, and the physical body, we do come in with a, a spiritual body of, of three months. And I think that probably, and I'm just taking a guess here, um, I'm thinking that maybe from the time that the soul is assigned to a particular mother and father, then that begins the cycle at, say, the 12 o'clock line. And between there and the three, you have three months where the soul is getting to know the parents and preparing for the physical incarnation. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's accurate. Well, okay. Well, anyway, we want to continue now with part two of this four-part lecture. And the opportunities that we are given in the course of our spiritual journey, they're intended as stepping stones to higher consciousness something that we are completely worthy to receive and experience. So without any further ado, here again is Mark Prophet. And so we are always dealing with eternal things. We are dealing with eternal things in this very image of the saints all standing there before the throne saying, Holy, 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 thou alone art holy. Actually, not only would this be boring to men if it were to go on forever in that human thought, if we were to humanize that idea. But it would be boring to the Creator, who I think would become downright embarrassed, seeing that His intention is to convey to the creation the markings of Himself. We find Marie Corelli in her book, The Romance of Two Worlds, brings out the idea that at one point in the initiatic process of men, individuals were given the power to create their own universe that when they were given this power in space, they said, let there be light, just as God did. And they saw the universes springing up beneath their feet. They could see all the star systems and planets. And they went down into the planet to redeem as Christ did. And then at a certain point, they saw that the prayers were all cut off. The people were not praying anymore. They were all involved in their own thing, doing their own thing, you know. And they were no longer concerned about God in any way. And all the light rays of prayers that were coming up were then cut off and there was almost total darkness. And at that point, the higher voice, the higher command came and said, destroy. And at that point, the initiate was very confused. 
And she said, oh, but I can't destroy. Don't ask me to destroy these little worlds. Don't ask me to destroy these beautiful little worlds with all these lovely little people on it. And the voice said, destroy. And he kept fighting as St. Paul did where he said, arise, kill, and eat, you know. He was fighting, struggling with the deity. And finally the deity said to him, if thou, O mere mortal, in thy state, in this imaginatory world that you have created, feel remorse and an unwillingness to destroy, how do you think then that I who am truly living love feel about destroying, you see? You are remiss to destroy this little figment world that we have permitted you to create in space, yet you suppose that I would destroy you, you see. And thus the lesson of divine love and the lesson of compassion was conveyed. And somehow or other we are brought face to face with the idea that it is the evil, the energy veil of selfishness and greed and narrowness of concept that must be destroyed not the people. That if the people themselves do not repudiate their own wickedness and turn to God, that they will become destroyers of themselves under cosmic law. That it will not be God at all who is doing the destruction. And of course this is true. Because man has a counterpart known as his angel, which is at court. Most people don't realize this. Jesus said, and I say unto you that these little ones of mine, that their angels do ever behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Which meant that although these little ones may be urchins in the street, covered with mud and covered with dirt and dust, ignorant and struggling to find themselves, that right while this is happening, right while they're down here with dirty faces and hungry looks and in their struggles, for recognition that these children have an angel presence and that that presence is beholding God's face right while they're down here simultaneously. This then shows us that there is a concern in the universe for men. This is something that people have forgotten. They forget from time to time. They seem to feel that in their bare struggle for existence, when they are raw and stripped bare, that somehow or other that all of the mistakes that they have made render them unfit for the kingdom of God. Then they have to face the concern of God, who never planned for their destruction, who never planned for them to be inadequate to fulfill their purposes, but who planned on the contrary for the victory of every life stream upon the planet. Now then we ask ourselves, why? Why in God's name, if God, the Almighty, the cosmic creator of the universe, the issuer forth of the breath of Brahma, and the one who calls it back, who gives the breath of life, should in his own being have the slightest thought of failure on behalf of anyone? You immediately realize this isn't true. God doesn't have it. Well, then where does it come from? In heaven's name, where does it come from? It arises out of the uneducated awe with which men behold the universe. They have an uneducated awe, and they see all of this vastness, and they stand facing it. 
the naked reality of the universe. And they feel themselves like a tree that's standing there without bark. You see what I mean? They feel that the cosmic winds, and there are cosmic winds, they feel the cosmic winds are blowing through the branches of their frail reality and they say to themselves, why I don't amount to a pinhead. And then they start in belittling themselves. And like David's sling, they are building up energy with every belittlement. And this energy goes and retreats deep into the subconscious. It goes way down into the subconscious. And the deeper it goes, the more stern and horrible will be the reaction. When it suddenly comes forth, this awful retreat of man into nothingness. Then you see that's the source of the superiority complex. Because the inferiority complex is the retreat of man back into his consciousness where he is self-belittling and permits and accepts the belittlements of others. But the reaction comes. And the further back you draw the sling of energy, the further the rock will go. And that is what happens, and it is reaction. Reaction that causes people then, when they felt so badly and felt so small in themselves, to finally decide how very important they really are. And so they began to feel the need to assert and take their dominion not over themselves but over other people because in this taking of the dominion over other people they somehow or other have a warped sense of worth. And this is what creates the human struggle because it is a denial of the reality which comes from the equipoise center where one simply accepts the light ray from God of being and declares, I am. Recently we have heard once again that old and familiar tune from the outer world that denies the power of the I am, that denies the power of be-ness, that denies the power of being. Being and be-ness all of this, the realities of God, are. They do not have to be affirmed or sought. They are already a part of each one of us. The greatest destruction that can be wrought against the I am is the retreat subconsciously into this feeling world where we begin to be self-belittling or permit other people to belittle us. That's one half of it. The other half of this negative shell is to go the other way and decide how very important you are and then walk around the world with your shoulders thrown back, your head high, and say, I really am important. This is a case of where you are bucking up with your energy against the children of God. Why, just think what it would amount to if you have a thousand sons of God and these thousand sons of God have all gone backward and now they all feel the need to assert themselves against each other, to prove their worth. Why these people, a thousand of them, they're all fighting each other instead of actually allowing the kingdom of God to express through them. And here you see a denial of the natural manifestation of the breath of life, of the energy of God, of the simple, sweet, childlike power of being. 
<laughs> this is like a feast. You know, there's so many tastes and choices. You can't swallow them all. It's really quite amazing. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, we should make uh, a, just a couple of comments here about Mark Prophet, who he is. For those of you who may not know, um, he is the founder of the Summit Lighthouse, founded in Washington, D.C. in 1958. Mm-hmm. This particular lecture was recorded in 1968, merely 10 years after the beginning of the Summit Lighthouse. And uh, he was the original messenger of this movement and later on became the co-messenger with Elizabeth Clare Prophet, his wife, who I think they were, what, married in the mid-60s, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, I forget the date. Yeah, yeah so somewhere around there. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, Mark L. Prophet had an amazing ability as a master uh, of oratory <laughs> to take you places that you didn't even realize you were going, and then he'll manage to wrap them up and tie them up with a bow. It's really quite astonishing. Oh, and he can, and interestingly, he can deviate from a from a very serious point off into <laughs> a funny story about something, and then yeah. just come right back. And uh, and there is a purpose in in everything that he does. Yeah, the, the, there's there's no idle thought, no idle <laughs> track here. It's it's all part of it. So please stay with us. We're coming back for more in just a few minutes. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Right now, all over the world, Warriors of Light are working tirelessly to defend your soul's opportunity to achieve oneness with God. These spiritual warriors are keepers of the flame, and though few, the power they wield is greater than all of the weapons made by man. Founded by St. Germain in 1961, Keepers of the Flame is a non-denominational fraternity in the tradition of ancient spiritual orders. When you join, you'll receive a series of lessons that will introduce you to a vast and dynamic spiritual world. See for yourself. Access Lesson 1 right now, completely free. No login required. Simply go to tsl.org slash keepers, and in seconds you could be exploring a whole new world of practical Ascended Master teachings. Lessons are printed or available online for any time, anywhere access, and anyone can join. Discover your real self and explore your full spiritual potential. Become a Keeper of the Flame today and awaken to the light within. Please visit tsl.org slash keepers and prepare to accelerate. Those seeking a higher spiritual path question everything. It is the nature of a spiritual seeker. They look deeply at all world religions and know that there are nuggets of truth within them all. The Summit Lighthouse is a deep repository of spiritual wisdom delivered by the Ascended Masters through their messengers Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet. For over 50 years, we have brought seekers worldwide liberating teachings that include the violet flame, the creative power of sound, and a deep personal connection to the masters of light. The goal of our show is to bring you timely spiritual teachings that are practical and liberating. For a free download of one of our most popular books, go to www.summitlighthouse.org forward slash radio downloads. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse. 
Please send your comments or questions to webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to our show. And we are back once again for more from Mark Prophet. And none of us need struggle to obtain our reality, our oneness in God. We simply have to recognize it. That's Here's right. more. None of us have to struggle to obtain our own reality. We simply have to recognize it. Now then, once we recognize it, here is where the subtle razor's edge manifests. We have recognized the power of the great God self within. But we have to be extremely careful to realize that we must understand and know that this God is a God of action, not a passive God in the world of form. You in your own life can have those same periods of retreat that God has. The diastole and systole of the heart, the ebb and flow of the tides. Your own days and nights are many. We go into a night, a period of rest, but during that time we should recognize that it is the time when we ask God to draw forth our life plan, for we have a personal life plan. Mazzini said every life is a mission. Well, I think that whether he said it or Christ said it, God said it first. He made every life a mission, but a mission does not mean a mission on behalf of self. It's like the woman said that was out with her tambourine collecting. She said, I'm taking up a collection. She said, for my favorite charity. And in the tavern she was in, the people began throwing the money in. She says, what is your favorite charity? She says, myself. And so, of course, this is the basic idea. People are often doing things for themselves when God is eager to do things for them. And when he does things for them, this includes the service of the washing of the feet of others by God. Oh, what does that mean? It means that any one of you, any one of us, anyone on earth can get down and wash the feet of another person and that God inside of us will be washing the feet of the other person. It means that God is not ashamed to cleanse the dust, the smallest grain of dust of his whole system. The God of the universe, he's not ashamed, but people are ashamed. We're ashamed for this, and we're ashamed for that, and we're ashamed for ourselves. And this is the tool of the dark forces that want to keep this systemic universe in bondage. They have learned the plans governing science of life, governing the warp and woof of creation. They understand the ergs of energy and how to bottle them up and how to release them. They understand these physical laws of the universe and the spiritual laws of the universe in part. But they are not congruent with the life plan of the deity with the holy triad of being. They do not conform to God's ideas about life. They conform to the idea of me first and everybody else afterward. And this is basically what is wrong with society today. But in the midst of all that's wrong with society, we will not correct our own life by condemnation proceedings against this imperfect society. That's why Jesus said the Son of Man came not into the world to condemn the world, 
but that through him they might find eternal life. We then, as a part of the Godhead, have in our destiny, locked within it, a significant contribution to the universe once we know this. We must permit ourselves to identify with God in action. We have to recognize that however many people there may be, however many souls there may be in creation, that we have a unique capacity, that this unique capacity of the self, in its minute mathematical part, can actually far exceed what you would think would be the voting rights of that mathematical part in a democracy. In other words, in a cosmic realm, a man is not limited by his portion, but he's limited only by the degree and amount of universal love of the divine nature that he can draw forth through the eye of the needle of the self. If you can think of yourself as an hourglass, and instead of sand falling through, the gold of the divine character falling through into your hands right below the nexus. If you can feel that heaven is bestowing on you its limitless light, then you must accept it as limitless. See, in the outer world today, we are used to mathematical portions. We say, what is my inheritance? Well, you inherited 5,000 pounds from your grandfather in English money. 5,000 pounds. Well, when you come to God, if your portion was 10,000 pounds, you're not limited to just accept that because you're dealing with divine love and divine character and you have the right to demand of God the allness of God because that is a part of everyone's inheritance. In a system where you just cut it up as the communists do and say, well, let's give everybody their share. You could probably conceivably say, well, we're going to have very little of God to enjoy because there's so many of us. But God is not that way. The nature of God is to expand in the domain and the divine seed, out of which the universes were framed and herein is the mystery of Christ, is transferred to the Logos. And once it reaches the realm of the Logos, the statement of power that is made, which is the fiat of initiation, is all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. That is a fiat. Transfer it to the Christ and then accept it from the Christ as your own and that macrocosmic seed come now into the realm of the microcosm of the person can actually expand proportionately within the frame of the person until it is exactly equal as water seeks its level. It is exactly equal in all of its parts in the microcosm as it is equal above in the macrocosm. And that is a very significant statement when you grasp it because it provides you not only with the responsibility of responding to the fiats of God, but of also exercising your privilege of being a contributor to the magnificence of the greater universe as well. And no one suffers any loss.
The loss being suffered when we deny ourselves the gifts and graces of God and the loss being suffered when we refuse to accept that we really are what God has promised us. We are sons of God. If we're sons of God, then we are, according to the scriptures, joint heirs with Christ. And if we're joint heirs, then we also can say, I will sit down on my father's right hand. And the right hand is the right way of living, just as the left hand is the wrong way of living. And there are many who have taken the left-handed path, some ignorantly and some knowingly, I'm sorry to say. But our responsibility is to understand that this drama is going on permanently. It is not going to stop. Some people have the idea that at one point we will all be perfected and then sort of go into a nirvanic state where we will just sort of titillate in bliss. If you grasp my concept at all, we just sit there in some kind of a blissful state with little ripples of joy running over us and we sit there and do nothing. This is a perfectly ridiculous thing because the universe is based on principles of beauty and art. The universe is based on dramatic episodes. The universe is based on a sense of infinite wonder brought down into a crystal or a child's heart. The universe is based on the grandiose schemes that should not stop. There is no reason why the creative process should ever stop. Because the creative process and its continuation, as long as it's moving into perfection, is the most wonderful, glorious experience that could ever be had. And those who have attained it from inner levels have told us this again and again, eye has not seen or ear heard, neither have entered into the heart the things which God has prepared for them that love him. This doesn't mean that God is going to set us down somewhere on a little slab of crystal light or something, let our body float there and our mind float in space and he's going to just make us happy like some woman sitting there tickling her husband's foot with a feather. It doesn't mean that God is going to do something like this. It means that the challenges of eternity will be before us to create. Yes, and even to destroy when we have created wrongly. To destroy any clay that we have formed into an imperfect figure because it would be like creating crippled children. God does not create crippled children. These are situations. And certainly, it would be better to break the forms of these clay imperfect images and crush them together and put them back on the potter's wheel and issue them forth as more perfect creatures than it would be to leave the imperfect image to live and to produce. And this was the story behind the flood. This was the mercy of God that brought the flood forth to destroy the wickedness that man had created here through their own misuse of cosmic energy and its laws. Uh, well, creation never sits still and it never stops. And he knows something about the flood because one of his embodiments was Noah. <laughs> yeah, he's speaking <laughs> from personal experience. That's right. Well, please stay with us for the conclusion of this remarkable lecture from Mark Prophet. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. 
Be the change. Those seeking a higher spiritual path question everything. It is the nature of a spiritual seeker. They look deeply at all world religions and know that there are nuggets of truth within them all. The Summit Lighthouse is a deep repository of spiritual wisdom delivered by the Ascended Masters through their messengers Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet. For over 50 years, we have brought seekers worldwide liberating teachings that include the violet flame, the creative power of sound, and a deep personal connection to the Masters of Light. The goal of our show is to bring you timely spiritual teachings that are practical and liberating. For a free download of one of our most popular books, go to www.summitlighthouse.org forward slash radio downloads. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Listening to The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse. Please send your comments or questions to webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to our show. And once again, we are back. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Tom and he's Terry. <laughs> and today we're playing a lecture from Mark L. Prophet on the inhalation and exhalation of the breath of God. Now, as we have heard today already, our spiritual needs are taken care of through the heart and through the hierarchy of ascended, angelic, and cosmic beings. It is a very individual and unique process that we go through in discovering our real self. It's all part of the universal blueprint for our souls according to God's mind, God's thoughts, and God's concepts, not ours. So here now is the final segment of today's very special lecture from Mark Prophet on the inhalation and exhalation of God's breath and the profound reality that God works everywhere to provide us with opportunities to come up higher, and achieve our ultimate victory in the light. Here goes. Well, when we understand all these things, then we see why we must build a more perfect kingdom according to the universal blueprint, according to God's mind, according to God's thoughts and God's concepts. This is why this work is so important, because whereas the outer world in its search for reality, could continue to build more perfect socialist republics in which every man supposedly would have a vote, but in which today every man does not have equal opportunity, but is often subject to the same emotional binges that we have here in America in our union system. If someone doesn't like you for any reason, you're just an outcast from the system. You cannot build a perfect Soviet or imperial society based on socialistic principles. And I use the word imperial purposely. Because they have as much imperialism in their intellectual pride in socialism as the Most High God does, you know, in creating more perfect images according to the capacity of God compared to the capacity of man. You understand how I mean that. I mean, God is so far above them, but I mean in their own self. They take as much pride in creating that almost as God does. But what they're creating is not reality. It's just someone's imagination of how they think they can make everything fair and square. And you just can't do it. 
because you're dealing with karma and you've got millions of people on earth, they've created karma in the past, and your government is not going to be able to answer your religious needs to communicate with God. It never will be. You will never find the time in our worldly society where the kingdoms of this world will be able to tell you that they are going to take care of your spiritual needs. Your spiritual needs are taken care of through the hierarchy and taken care of through your heart. The hierarchy of your heart as it attunes with the heart of God. It's a very individual and unique process in discovering your real self. And somehow or other, there is a great comfort in realizing that you are not facing a world where there are groups of individuals in a star cluster and all these little star cluster groups made up of eight or ten people are opposing you as an individual little spark over here. They're all in the same category as you are. People are not clustered together even though they are gregarious in nature and the herd instinct is strong and people unite and form societies and, and uh, church organizations and racing clubs and enthusiasts and this and that. They're still all one person. Each person is only one. And no one else can be more than you can be. And that's part of God's plan. And you can be just as much in the eyes of God as he is if you have the will to serve and the faith in his plan and the acceptance of that plan. Not going backward and saying that, oh, I'm nothing and I've made so many mistakes. Sure, your human has made mistakes, but God never made any mistakes. He never made any mistakes because if he had made mistakes, this universe could not have remained as it is today. The very structuring of it would have collapsed upon itself. The way everything is so beautifully organized, the way our flesh form is organized, the way our bloodstream flows through the veins and arteries, the way the thoughts flow across our brain, the whole system of human creation, all of this is too magnificent for any human being or group of scientists themselves to have created it. It had to be cosmic science that created it, and so it was. And what a wonderful thing it is. And of course, the calling back of all the universe as it expands and blows up like a great soap bubble, a great bloom. And that way, you see, you have the stars, as science couldn't figure out why this was happening, the stars are pulling apart all the time from each other. They're getting farther and farther apart. But that's because the breath of Brahma is expanding. At a certain point, of course, it will contract and begin to fall all into the center again. And the theory behind it all is that by that time, the worlds and orbs should be perfected. So that when God takes it back, he takes it back in a perfect state, worthy to go back because you see, once it goes back, anything that isn't perfect is destroyed in the process of inhaling it again, you see. When God inhales, it takes it back to the heart center. If it isn't born of flame, if it hasn't mastered its identity, if it is not welded to spirit, why, it's just going to melt with a fervent heat and thereby be destroyed in the process. And therefore, there is a certain mercy in the continual expansion of the universe, and it does keep expanding, and sometimes it expands and expands and expands, and when it starts to contract, it may come back very rapidly, you see, to its center, and then remain for a prolonged period of time. It could remain for millions of years in the dormant state as the God intelligence is drawing out the blueprints 
and diagramming the next release of the breath of Brahma. Well, of course, the ascended masters and cosmic beings are all involved in this. And that is why the statement was made, let us go down now and make man in our image. Down referring to let us go down in vibration, not let us go down in the sense that we're up here on cloud nine and we're going down to earth. It's not a case of the masters being up in space somewhere and going down. It's going down wherever they are and they're everywhere. Going down in consciousness, in vibration, to the realm of the physical where we're going to create man in our image and after our likeness. But now we find that this likeness of man certainly is not the likeness of God, nor do we believe that the flesh form was the created likeness. But we think that it was the soul and that the patterns of the great masters were given to man, to the Adamic and pre-Adamic creation. But that that, of course, did take on the coat of skins after it realized it was naked, in the sense that I was talking about before, where it's like saying, I'm naked and I'm afraid. Man became in awe of the universe because he now had the knowledge of good and evil. He was aware of his potential to do either good or to do evil. Prior to that, he could only do good because he only knew good. And therefore, the idea of saying, well, if you can only probe this science and understand the science of your being, you'll be as wise as God is. This is where the serpent was able to trick man and thus deceive him. Now, none of the theologians today in the world have really mastered or understood this process because they reject some of the ancient truths of the Vedas. They reject some of the ideas, they reject the idea of re-embodiment, they have stultified themselves in dogma, and they're stewing in their own dogmatic juice. And that is exactly why they don't understand it. And that's why we have to become like little children to pass through the door, and once we get in, we can grow up. And that's exactly what we all have to do, is to understand our native reality. And when we do this, we find that we are natives of the cosmos and not just citizens of some nation here but while we're here we have to recognize and respect the lesser dream as we respect the greater dream and we must respect not only the lesser dream of social life upon this planet we must also accept the dream of ourselves in our present role it's a great mistake for us to reject these opportunities because God works in strange and very mysterious ways his wonders to perform. And he does. He works in the humblest little crystal or in the greatest galactic system or in the whole cosmos or in the realm beyond space and just the realm of pure being. God works everywhere. And we must see to it that we identify with him and with his plan, not with our own negatives, not with the defense of our own ego, not with the exaltation of ourself or a sense of struggle, not by the idea that we are going to do it, but by the idea that we are going to accept that magnificent plan, exercise our divine prerogative, use our cosmic vote, and serve the cause of our life mission and run our course, as St. Paul said, with joy until we finish it and fight the good fight of faith and emerge victoriously. This is every man's mission, and it is yours and mine. 
Yes, it is indeed. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this lecture from Mark Prophet today. It's something that we don't typically do, as you know, if you've been with us for any length of time. We may do it again in the future, but it's quite a feast for the ears, the eyes, the heart, and the mind. And uh, I was just struck by something that he said there midway through that last segment, that no one else can be more than we can be. Hmm. I think it's an amazing thing. And the other one I think he said was, we are all natives of the cosmos. <laughs> you know, not of Earth, not of a, a nation, but of a grander idea of, of reality and the creative reality of God. And, and I can't help but think that when, when the day comes when uh, the scientists and the, and the uh, spiritualists uh, finally get together on things, the, the scientists will understand what Mark has just said. Oh, yeah. Well, I, you can imagine them standing before the karmic board <laughs> being, being informed. Yeah. What? You, we, huh? <laughs> it's hard to imagine. Anyway, well, we've come to the end of another hour and we're so grateful that you've met, chosen to join us and uh, share it with us. And uh, what should we tell them before we go, Terry? Well, they can stay in touch with us by uh, contacting us at webradio at tsl.org. Webradio at tsl.org. Let us know if you really enjoyed this. Yeah, because we'll do it again if you want. Yeah. We're, we're always happy to take good ideas and good suggestions. Well, uh, the hour is done. So before we go, as we always do, we say that though the upward path may be difficult... The rewards are out Out of of this this world. world. God bless you, everyone. See you next week when we talk about Star Wars. Thank you again for joining us this week. Remember, tell your friends and family that they can listen to us live each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and Noon Mountain on Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. For more information about The Open Door and The Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website, www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week. 